Medicine podcast, where we talk about health topics with healthcare students and their relevance to all of us. I am Linda Pang, and I am a first-year med student at the Carver College of Medicine. I am one of your co-hosts today. And I'm Darby Modernock. I am also a first-year medical student at the University of Iowa, also a co-host. <laughs> and today... Um, we are talking to Alex Belzer, who is a third year medical student, um, and we're going to be talking about cannabis and um, how to acquire it safely. So Alex did his undergraduate at the University of Iowa in math and chemistry. And um, welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for being here today. Howdy. Thanks for having me. Uh, okay. So tell us what your article is about and what inspired you to write on this topic. Yeah, so my article is about um, just some ways to think about using cannabis safely. Um, as we know, uh, cannabis is a super ubiquitous drug. Um, college students especially use it quite a bit. Um, and I think there's a lot of kind of this perception that cannabis is a completely benign drug to use. Um, and I think for the most part, that tends to be true, but there are some things that definitely you should keep in mind if you decide to use cannabis. Yeah, so on that, I know in your article, um, you talked about some of the things that are being put into the cannabis that's being obtained. Um, could you talk a little bit on that and ways to ensure that your people are using a safe cannabis product? Yeah, so... As we probably all are familiar with at this point, unfortunately, um, there's been sort of an infiltration into global drug markets of, of fentanyl, which is a very strong, very dangerous opioid. Um, and unfortunately, there have been reports recently of, of people um, using cannabis and it being laced with fentanyl, which is super dangerous, especially if you're not expecting that. Um, and so there's kind of this push of we need to make sure that people who want to use cannabis are just using cannabis. Um, they're not using anything that they don't think they're using, anything dangerous. Um, so there's a kind of a couple good ways to ensure that your cannabis is, is safe in this way. Um, the first way is to um, obtain your cannabis from a reputable source. Um, and probably the most uh, sensible or first reputable source that comes to mind is, is a legal dispensary. Um, unfortunately, in Iowa, cannabis is not legal, and so you can't buy it legally in Iowa, but um, it is legally sold in other states surrounding Iowa, such as Illinois and Minnesota to an extent. Um, so one of the strategies that you can use to obtain cannabis safely is to um, purchase it in another state where it's legal. Um, sort of the other way that you can sort of check your cannabis to see if it's um, laced with anything is you can order uh, cannabis testing kits online. Um, unfortunately, you can't buy them in Iowa because, again, we've somehow made those made cannabis safety test kits uh, drug paraphernalia and thus illegal. But um, there are some resources that you can order uh, cannabis testing kits online that will We'll give you a quick test um, to see if there's any fentanyl or, or other drugs that you test for in your cannabis. Um, I had a follow-up question just out of my own curiosity. 
hearing recently about like hemp products. Um, I don't know if you like have seen like ads and stuff about like I think that would be legal in states, but that's like something that's kind of been on my radar. Do you like know anything about that or have you about that? I know a little bit about it. I do know that you can buy hemp products at the store in Iowa and they don't contain any any um, THC in them, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of the reason you can buy them at the store in Iowa. Right. Um, but I've actually had a lot of my patients tell me that they use cannabis or uh, hemp oil or like hemp infused lotions um, for pain relief. Whether there's any good evidence to back that up, I don't know, but who am I to say that they can't? That they shouldn't benefit from this thing they're benefiting from, you know? Sure, yeah. Um, so what are some ways that one can legally obtain cannabis products in Iowa? Um, so if you want to stay in Iowa and obtain cannabis products legally, probably the, the primary way you can do that is through a, a medical clause. Um, so if you have any one of several... Um, medical conditions such as epilepsy um, or chronic pain or inflammatory bowel disease, things of that nature, chronic diseases, um, then you can go to your doctor and there's pretty good paperwork online that you can bring to them and they'll probably be familiar with it and they'll be able to um, sign off on you obtaining cannabis legally from a medical dispensary in Iowa. Yeah, on that note, just since you've had a little bit more of um, a foot into healthcare than we have at this point, um, have you seen like how easy it is to obtain these cards or if it's difficult, the hesitation of prescribers at all? So I think probably the most prominent place where I saw this used was in um, uh, orthopedics, actually. Um, I did my orthopedics rotation on the spine service, um, and as you may have learned about low back pain, it's, it's not very easy to treat, um, and so one of actually the root causes of the opioid epidemic was people having all this low back pain, and then they get prescribed these non-addictive, air quotes around that for those of you who can't see me, but non-addictive pain medications, um, and then they get stuck in this vicious cycle of addiction, and um, I saw the orthopedics providers that I worked with um, were very um, forthcoming about the, the uses of um, cannabis for pain treatment because um, it, it does have effects in that way um, and, and certainly can be used. And patients have told me that they do use it for their pain control. Yeah, on the medical side of things then, um, are there like ways that um, medications can interact with cannabis products? Yeah, there are. Um, I actually, in, in preparation for writing this article, I was actually pretty surprised by how many drug interactions there are. Um, so there's two main, I'm gonna call them psychoactive um, components to cannabis, um, THC and CBD. And um, the, the way that they're metabolized in the body um, can kind of interfere with the way other drugs you take are metabolized. So for example, THC um, is involved in the same pathways as um, uh, 
some the way some antipsychotics, blood thinners, and antidepressants are metabolized and can affect their dosage and and levels in your body. Um, and uh, the other psychoactive component of cannabis, CBD, um, is actually quite has quite significant interactions with other medications. It actually uh, interacts with about 30% of all prescription drugs. Um, and this includes antidepressants, chemotherapy drugs, blood pressure drugs, antibiotics, blood thinners. Um, and I don't even want to take the time to list them all because there's so many. But um, really the important kind of underlining thing here is if you decide that you want to use cannabis and you do take prescription medications, then it's a good thing to bring up with your doctor. Um, they're in your corner. They want you to be happy and healthy and um, speaking with somebody who can kind of navigate these uh, drug interactions waters is definitely the way to go. Yeah, that's definitely a good point that you want to, you want your healthcare providers to um, be cognizant of like any substances you're taking though. I do understand why patients might be like hesitant about that, especially if they don't like know their doctor well, or if they've, um, you know, sensed any sort of like judgment coming from them about uses of those substances, but hopefully something we can work to change. Um, yeah, looping back into, right? <laughs> um, looping back to fentanyl, let's say um, someone does um, have a cannabis product and there is something in there that um, is a lot more dangerous than cannabis is, what should be done in the case of an overdose? So in the case of an overdose, um, for example, let's say you walk into somebody's apartment and you find them um, unconscious in a place where they shouldn't be like on the floor um, and they're breathing very slowly or not at all. First thing you wanna do is call 911. Um, uh, you should be able to get an EMS provider there very, very quickly. Um, and with the prevalence of opioid overdoses, they will probably have the reversal medications on them. Um, and ready to use. If you know that there is uh, naloxone or the brand name is called Narcan nearby, then um, certainly administer it. There's a very, very low threshold to administer it. Um, you can do a lot of good by doing it um, and not a lot of bad if you do it. So uh, do that as quick as you can if you know that there is some nearby. Um, if you're kind of more in a a chronic situation where you know that somebody uses opioids regularly, um, then it might be a good idea for you to carry naloxone with you. You can actually find, um, they do sell it at Iowa pharmacies. There's a good list online that you can Google pretty, pretty easily. Um, and it's not a horrible idea to carry around some with you given how many overdoses there have been recently. Yeah, and I'll just put a little plug in for any of our viewers. If you do want to learn more about Narcan, Naloxone, and how to obtain it, um, our previous episode on the Doctors In podcast, we did cover that. So go ahead and take a look at that. Um, and then Alex, um, just prior to our spring break, um, we had a panel come in and talk about um, cannabinoids, cannabis, CBD, um, and knowing that a lot of curriculum changes are have happened and are still currently happening, um, we were curious how this was addressed a couple years ago when you were in your first year and just how much it's changed over the last few years. 
Yeah, so I guess I can't really speak to how the curriculum is being taught now. Um, when I was taught about cannabis use originally, um, I think it was probably, I don't know, I'm going to say underemphasized. Like, I think I've seen it way more um, involved in, uh, like, I've had more experience where I've talked about cannabis with my patients um, than I was prepared for in the original curriculum. I kind of really only knew that uh, maybe it's not a super uh, physiologically addictive medicine or uh, drug to use, um, but that it can have some sleep problems and uh, mood problems that come along with it, but that it's generally safe. Um, I think that, so I don't know how y'all feel about this being in the early stages, but I do think that the, the simulated patient interactions are a great way to um, sort of prepare your skills for clinic, um, as awkward as they may be uh, going into patient encounters, real patient encounters without having done those is uh, even more awkward, I would say. And I think that there would be some benefit to um, talking about cannabis with some simulated patients in the, in the preclinical curriculum just because it's come up that often that I was kind of unprepared for it. Yeah, that's, I think that's a really good point. And it's not something that I feel like in all of my um, SP simulated patient um, interactions so far. And for those listening who like don't have contact with SPs, they're essentially when we like practice our interview skills and um, uh, like the, the review systems, like everything that we would do um, in like a clinic visit with essentially um, people who are like paid to come in and give the story of a patient. And I feel like most of the time, like one of the questions they teach us to ask always is like alcohol smoking and then like, do you use any other substances? And most of the time they say no. So like, we're not really given that opportunity to um, address it in depth. So that's, that is a good point that they should maybe like work that in somewhere. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting was in the panel, like before they did like the Q&A session, um, we did have a presentation and one of them kind of just really highlighted um, all of the <clears throat> like dangers surrounding cannabis. And um, I believe the term gateway drug was used at one point. Um, yeah, I know we were, we were all a little. Oh, that's kind of outdated. <laughs> right. We had some, we had some reactions to that, but um I just, I thought it was really fascinating because they always, they taught us about cannabinoids kind of like just focusing on that subject. And I thought it would be really interesting. And again, I haven't like finished the preclinical curriculum yet. So I don't know if we're going to get to this, but they didn't even take the time to like compare it to something like alcohol, right? Which like is legal right. and which is obviously also like very harmful to the body. Like if we just look at it, um, like generally as a substance, um, and that was fascinating to me because I was like, it's this emphasis because like cannabis is illegal, especially in Iowa, or is this emphasis because like we genuinely care about the welfare of our patients? You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. Um, it's also interesting too, because so many patients I've talked to have talked about their cannabis use to get them away from more dangerous drugs use. Um, so it's almost like it's the opposite of a gateway drug for a lot of people. Um, just kind of an interesting thing that I've experienced. But yeah, the thing about alcohol is um, I, I do almost wonder if it's overlooked in the curriculum because it's not illegal. Um, of course, we ask about it and 
to kind of know some of the morbidity that could be caused by like chronic long-term heavy alcohol use. Um, but I do think there's probably not enough emphasis placed on um, talking about alcohol use and, and uh, counseling your patients on, on how to um, sort of do safer alcohol use and drug use in general. Well, that is all the questions that I had. Darby, do you have anything else? Nothing too pressing. I guess I was just, you know, we talk so much in school about all of the social determinants of health and healthcare. And it's, you know, you kind of think about that with the emphasis on cannabis versus the lack of emphasis on the dangers of alcohol and how much of that is a result of stigmatization against certain populations versus, you know, alcohol, but it's just an interesting topic, but that could be a whole discussion on its own. <laughs> it's a whole can of worms when you start talking about how different substances have been used to suppress populations over time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think we'll wrap up here. Alex, thank you so much for coming and talking on the podcast. Um, and I guess stay tuned, everyone, for um, a new podcast. In